Western Oklahoma, welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM. The Sports Animal, it's a financial Friday, Garrison Financial Friday. Scotty G not with us today as he had a meeting come up. Uh, hopefully it's uh, it's a good one for him and that way uh, we've been doing him so good. So uh, Scott's not going to be with us actually for the next two weeks. He'll be in Dallas next week as well, So, uh, but we will uh, still... Talk about what he does here <clears throat> on Fridays, as we always would. Um, they'll give us a chance to talk about last night, uh, things coming up, well, the NFL weekend. Uh, we'll talk about last night. Did, did anybody, did you guys watch it? Did you have trouble finding it? Did you have trouble watching the game? Seems like at least online and talking to a couple of people that I've talked to, it seems like it was a fairly seamless rollout for Amazon. So tell us about your experience watching the 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 streaming only last night on Amazon Prime. A great game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Look ahead to the NFL weekend. Look ahead to the college football weekend as well. Uh, a nostalgic game, if not a good one, uh, with Oklahoma going up to Nebraska. What do we think is going to happen in that one? Some other ones from around the country that will keep our focus throughout the college football Saturday. It's kind of a weird college football Saturday. Because of the game times, it feels like they're all bunched up at night. You don't see that all that often to where you got the 11 o'clock game with, of course, people care about around here just because of who it is with Oklahoma and Nebraska on the same field together. But 2.30 window is pretty weak. And then you start getting into the likes of the, the A&Ms and, and Miamis and Texas Tech and North Carolina State, Michigan State, Washington. Those games are all at night. Uh, so and Fresno, USC, all those are all those are after six o'clock. So it's kind of a weird college football Saturday. Look ahead to tonight around the state of Oklahoma with a high school football Friday night, and also look back at yesterday because District Four A One on the fast pitch softball diamond gained some clarity with a couple of games that were played yesterday uh, between uh, four teams that were within the district and and chasing different things either a title or a play-in series berth here in a couple weeks. So that's what we got on the docket. Feel free to chime in, 225-9698. Here's the phone or the text line, 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We'll talk about any of those things or whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. Log on to kadsam.com, download the app. The app's got it all. Three radio stations, the Penny News. Pick up a free copy of the Penny News. They're out everywhere as we speak. Also, Big Elk TV and Paragon TV will tell you all hour long about what's going to be there with the Elks at Carl Albert. Minko is coming out to Merritt. And then also Hollis over at Mountain View Goatee So three different games to watch tonight on the high school football gridiron. 
through the app there on the Paragon app. Also, if you miss the show entirely, you can go back and check us out online, kadsam.com or iTunes with the skinny on sports podcast. Good morning, Jared. How are you? Uh, it sounds like better than you. Ah, man, my nose is running away from me. Started last night and it's, I uh, woke up this morning and it, uh, I was questionable, but I'm, I'm giving it a go. Hey, Jared, yeah. you yeah. have any Elmer's glue? Elmer's glue. Or have you heard, uh, this is his mother. Quit, give it back to him. Or is your, uh, actually, the, the better one would be, Jared, is your refrigerator running? You better go catch it. Yeah, that's where your nose is. Yeah, it's running. You it's better running. go catch it. Look, it's yeah. red. I'm, I've been wiping it's it It's a all. little bit Rudolphish. It's a little, little raw around the nostrils. It looks like you have rut on your right nostril on the bottom. <laughs> It Thanks. looks like you Thanks. have rubbed it enough to where it's almost like you've rubbed some skin off of uh, it. Don't do that. Oh, thanks. So I apologize for any listeners tonight on Big Oak TV. What about the ones listening right now? They're going to hear you. Well, I can do this. Horn. See, I could, I could pull but my. I can still, I could pull I can my, still hear it. Yeah, I could. Well, it's not as 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 uh, loud as is <sighs> like when that. I when I have the mic on me <laughs> all night. There's no avoiding it. I'm going to have to constantly turn myself down to blow my nose or take the mic off. It's going to be rough, but I'll get through it. I'll get through it. It's just allergies. I think grass, um, was it ragweeds in the air? Ragweed was as high, the, the very, very highest last Friday of all the all the different weeds. It started last night and, and woke up, and I feel it in my temples, and it's just all right there. So I'll be fine. I'm going to have to be. we got a game tonight. Power through. It's not good. Well, it's not be, good for you. I know I'm not contagious, if that's what you're thinking. I'm fine. Oh, no. It's just an allergy thing. That's all it is. So we're good. All right, let's start with yesterday on the fast pitch diamond. Two big games. Uh, Elk City hosted Weatherford. Uh, the Elkettes needed to get this win to, A, stay somewhat in the district championship race, and, B, avoid falling to fourth which means a play-in series to get into uh, regionals. And Weatherford jumped out early. The Elkettes cut the lead to 2-1, to one, but Weatherford wins 6-2. to two. So now the Lady Eagles still atop the, the uh, district race at 8-1. and one. They have one game left with Cash, and then they've got Anadarko and Woodward, which Anadarko and Woodward way down the standings below the, the top four of Cash, Elk City, Tuttle, and Weatherford. So... Really, kind of looks to me like if Weatherford can beat Ca- win at Cash, Weatherford's going to be the district champ. Looks because like it. those yeah. other two games. I mean, you can always stub your toe, I guess, with with Anadarko and Woodward, but it would take something pretty crazy, yeah, for the Lady Eagles to lose either one of those games. So, uh, the district title at least comes down uh, to for Weatherford at Cash. Tuttle still has only one game in district left. It happens to be at home against Cash. Which is good news for the Elkettes, because at this point, after the loss yesterday, Elk City's now six and four in four A one play, which means they are in fourth place, which gets them something you don't want to do, and that is a play in series instead of just being in the regionals as the third seed out of the district. At this point, you'd play, but Cash, as I just mentioned, they've got at Tuttle, they've got Weatherford, the Elkettes are down to Darko and uh, and Clinton. So if you if you put those two wins in the Elkettes category, finish it up eight and four, 
in the district points if if cash splits between uh, Tuttle and Weatherford, then it'll come down to, to the district points because Cash and Oak City have split. If they lose both games and the Oakettes can win both, then all of a sudden you're into third and you don't have to worry about a play-in series. Now, there is another game that was played last night up in Woodward, between Clinton and Woodward, and the Lady Boomers win 5-4. to four. So now both of those teams have two wins in the district and are tied for that fifth and final spot, which they would love to be in a, in a play. And it's the difference between being fourth and fifth. Yeah. If you're fourth, you'd hate to not be third because then you got to go play. If you're fifth, you're just chomping at the bit to be able to be there and get another chance to go play. <clears throat> well, last night, Woodward gave themselves a great shot at it with that win. It was a win they had to have over Clinton, and they got it 5-4. So now the Lady Reds still have games with Anadarko and Elk City. One of those you would think would be a win. One of them you think would be a loss. So that would put uh, Clinton at, at 3-9 and nine to end the district schedule. Woodward's still got three games, and I think it's Anadarko, Cash, and Weatherford. So two of those not looking so good. One of those looking pretty good uh, at Anadarko. So in that race, unless somebody can pull up an upset, pull off an upset, I mean, it's going to come down to the district points. And at this point, Woodward is nine nine ahead of Clinton, but Woodward still has two games against the 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 top of the district, while Clinton only has one, and they both play Anadarko. Isn't it nice to have a log jam in a district like this that's still undecided as we wrap up the season? That, that's testament to how many how many really good teams we have out here in this district a lot of fun last night was a lot of fun and kudos to the crowd yeah this huge crowd is what when i walked out there i mean first off i was afraid i wasn't gonna find a parking spot and then walking in and just every little thing they wasn't just a crowd just for the sake of being there they were engaged they were watching they understood what was going on they were uh, ringing the bells and the noisemakers and cheering at the appropriate time and when we're over there warming up and then something would happen i mean we'd all everybody stop and look over there and I'm looking at uh, my fellow coaches one of which has the game on yeah. listening to Jay and right. like, what happened I don't know I'll find out it's because of course there's a delay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that that's an awesome scene and, and just just shows how how big the sport's getting out here and, and again the district is so good I love it yeah and when you look at that <clears throat> in the event of a tie for third uh, if Cash were to split those games with Tuttle and Weatherford and then beat Woodward at this point right now Elk City and Cash are exactly tied in district points at 30, you know, the differential. So that's that, that's as close as it gets now when you, when you look up at Weatherford. Weatherford, in, in, order, in order to win the district because they split with Tuttle, they're going to have to win it outright because a tie isn't going to be good for them because there's 24 run differential back from Tuttle right now. Ah. So it'd be hard to make up that because I think you can only get ten. Okay. And so you know if if you if you were so that's to, how that works if it's you were to yeah, it's run differential but I think ten's the max okay. that you can get. So for the Lady Eagles that game against Cash and then not stubbing your toe is going to be the the route to the district the district title just because they can't make up that run differential with Tuttle only having I, I guess Tuttle could lose to Cash by ten. They could lose the cash by one and then beat everybody else by ten, and I guess that gets you there, but it just doesn't seem very likely. Uh, so the the easiest path for Coach Morris and his uh, Lady Eagles is just to win the last three, 
and especially that one at cash uh, to, to wrap up a district title. So that's really good stuff. And I'm anxious to see how this translates moving forward into regional play. Is there just a bunch of teams that are about the same, or are these four teams pretty good? You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, it, yeah we're counting just, up the district. but Are they good, them, or yeah, are they just equal? Right, right. They're kind of beating up on each other because they're just so-so. I hate to use it like that, but... Or, or are they really going to represent the district well as when we move into the playoffs? That's that's anxious. That gets me anxious to see that. And when you when you look at the overall record, you would think that they're they're pretty good, because in that uh, as far as the top four, you've got two, nine, eleven, thirteen losses in I don't know a hundred games aren't against each other you know so right. the losses they're piling up most of those have come in district play when they've just kind of been cannibalizing themselves so yeah it's gonna be cool it's gonna be a lot of fun to see and yeah, on the text line everybody talking about the, the atmosphere out there that was there and how good it was yeah this is as good a compliment as i think you can find from jeremy felt like the basketball games we had in the high school at the old gym that is that, one heck of a compliment. A, that is a good uh Because good that comparison. place would rock that, that's back in the day. That's a good comparison. Yeah, it's good stuff. So uh, uh, that's how that sets up. 2A1 with Merritt. That all comes down to Monday. It did feel lit. It felt lit. Bussin', it was bussin'. Jared. Oh, sorry. It was bussin', bussin'. Sorry. 2A1 <laughs> uh, will all come down to Monday when Merritt and Minko face off. Minko's undefeated at 11-0. Merritt has one loss at 11-1, but they play twice. So if the, if the Oilerettes can sweep those two against Minko, then they will win District 2A1. If it, if, obviously, if they, if they split, then Minko's going to be the champ. Neither one can go down below second. Uh, as Hobart and Mangum are 9-4 with just a couple of games left. Uh, so it's, the district comes down to Minko and Merritt. Uh, it looks like Minko has to play somebody else. Uh, Walters after. So, I guess a, a split then could create, but once again, the district points is, is way in favor of Minko, or the, the run differential is way in favor of Minko over Merritt. So, the Oilerettes, if they win both, they're done with the district, they win the district because Minko is, uh, will have two losses, and that's just the bottom line. Uh, so, uh, the uh, softball wrapping up in the regular season with the playoffs coming up. All right, tonight, Jared, Friday night football, Elk City at Carl Albert, uh, another stern, stern test for the Big Elks against one of the all-time great programs in Oklahoma high school uh, history, especially since Gary Rose took over that program in 1995. Carl Albert was 16 state titles in their school's history. 14 of those have come since 97. That's awesome, and since he's retired, they continue to get it going. Last year was the stat first time they had first time they'd ever lost in the semifinals ever ever. That's amazing, and so they want to get back to that level. That chance, their chance to do that, took a hit with the quarterback going down with the collarbone injury. Sounds like the new quarterback is starting to get acclimated and more confident in his role. They still have a really good running back to keep an eye on. There's still Carl Albert, and it's still going to be a tough test. It's on the road uh, at um, is it Gary Rose Field or Stadium? Stadium. Stadium. It's Harris Harris Field, at Gary Rose there Stadium. Yeah, I, 
I'm glad you looked that up. I <laughs> I couldn't find it. So it it's going to be a great atmosphere. I've seen a game there. Seen a couple games there. Uh, they show up, you know. And the other day uh, when we had lunch with Jim, he we were talking high school football, and he said, "Does Elk City travel well?" I said, "Ah, uh, yeah, they'll travel well, and they'll travel to this game." I expect an electric atmosphere again and another good test for both teams. It's not just going to be a 5A team beating up on a 4A team. I think this is going to be a slobber knocker of a game, especially when it comes to defending the Carl Albert run. We know how tough Elk City is up front defensively against the run, and I think they're going to put that new quarterback on the spot and say, okay, you're the guy. You're going to have to beat us with your arm because it's going to be hard to move the ball on the ground. I'm convinced it's going to be hard to move the ball on the ground against the Big Elks. And Xavier Robinson is a junior running back. They list him at 6'2", 225. I don't know if he's quite that big, but he looks huge. I'm telling you. I mean, he he looks like a load to bring down. Numerous times last week against Muskogee uh, in a, in a seven-point loss for Carl Albert. In, in Muskogee, you know, a 6'8", 2 team, having some, you know, size all over the field. <clears throat> and A good 6'8", 2 yeah, team. Yeah, a good one. And they just had trouble bringing him down. So gang tackling, it, it's it's not like looking in the mirror because Carl Albert doesn't doesn't run the same type of offense that Elk City does. But it is when you talk about pounding the football. It's just like looking in the mirror. How many times do we see Levy break tackles and it takes three or four guys to bring him down? Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a lot of that tonight as well with Robinson coming out of the backfield for Carl Albert. You mentioned the quarterback. Uh, DeQuazy started the season. He didn't even make it out of the first half. Uh, honestly, I don't even think out of the first quarter against Coweta before he, he injured his collarbone. That brought in Cash Ferris, and he's he's gotten better as he's gotten more comfortable, there's no doubt. I, I think his best game was last Friday against Muskogee. looked a lot more in control, a lot more calm, uh, putting the ball in, 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 in spots. And, and here's the thing that you're going to notice if either on Big Elk TV or you're, if you're there inside the stadium. You know how they talk about like teams getting off the bus? Yeah. This team that Elk City sees tonight will be the best team they see all year as far as what they look like getting off the bus. Just uber-athletic-looking guys. Trey Washington is a sophomore. Uh, he'll stand out right immediately off the bat at receiver or corner. He's six four. They list him at 210, uh, just a sophomore. Uh, Tristan Haynes, number six. That's Washington seven six. Is Tristan Haynes, six two, uh, sophomore, and then Tayshawn James, number five, uh, is is a senior, and he's about six two or so. So this is the the challenge for the Elk City secondary is different than it was last week. Last week, uh, you know, Canadian had a bunch of fast, quick guys. Right? These guys are are those you know throw the ball up on the outside and just go make a play, and and, and they've been able to start getting better at doing that. Uh, so, as far as looking, this will be the best-looking team that Elk City has played uh, athletically uh, tonight against Carl Albert. Uh, another guy you'll notice, number 77 on the defensive line, Emerson Williams. Uh, he looks like a load. So, I, I, I'm anxious to see what it looks like with our own eyes tonight and how you know physically the Elks have been able to stand up to anybody they played so far and being able to do it again tonight, even in a loss, will bode well, I think, for moving forward uh, in District 4A1 play, which will start uh, after a week off next week with Clinton coming to town on the 30th. Right, yeah. No, it's going to be interesting. going to be real interesting on, on what they look like in a win or a loss, uh, hopefully a win. Um, and great, great, and it came from the text line, kudos for Oak City scheduling this game. I, I 
couldn't agree more. Said that before the season even started, scheduling these opponents like Canadian, like Carl Albert. Um, yeah, I mean, it's okay to schedule some teams that you want to, you know, get acclimated to the season, like the Althuses and the Bridge Creeks, and you know what you're going to get when you play them. But then you really know who you are when you test yourself, and I'm happy Oak City is doing this. Uh, no doubt. Elsewhere around District 4A1, Weatherford will go down to Elgin. But that didn't look like near as tough a game a week ago at this time as it does right now with Elgin shutting out cash last week, 27 to nothing. So the Eagles, after their first win of the year, a one-point win last week against El Reno, they hit the road down to Elgin. John Marshall's back after a week off. They will go to Heritage Hall. I'm sure uh, the Chargers licking their wounds after losing to Clinton last week the way they did. Woodward on the road at Newcastle. Uh, the Boomers 0-2 looking for their first win of the year that's probably not a good place to go to try to find is newcastle is a team that i think was undervalued in the preseason and they've they're starting to to notice and, and turn some heads with a couple of wins so far this season then chickasha uh, will take on anadarko uh, let's see that means that clinton and cash are off this week uh, before district play starts next week in class a district one a couple of games most everybody's completed their non-district schedule uh, starting at week zero. But Merritt will host Minko. Obviously, Paragon TV will have that one. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock kick for the Oilers and Bulldogs. Uh, Coach Archer's Burnsflat, Dill City Eagles look to make it 3-0 and with uh, Snyder coming to town. Burnsflat, I think, won both of their games on the road so far. So the first time the Eagles will play a home game, they've got Snyder. And then also Sayre will head down to Mangum uh, in A1 play or teams from A1. And then also... A big one in the eight-man ranks, and you can watch it on ParagonTV.com. The Hollis Tigers turned some heads last week after upsetting number five Velma Alma eight to six. They will go to Class C runner-up from a year ago, the Mountain View Godibo Tigers. So a battle of the Tigers there at Mountain View Godibo with Hollis and Mountain View Godibo. That'll be—I can't wait to see how that one turns out. I—I've I, called it. I think they're going to upset Mountain View. Or can we call Is it? Is it that? an upset? Can we call it that? Yeah. Mountain View with a lot of turnover. They're still good. But Hollis, they've won some games pretty and they won some good games and some other games convincingly here early. So I I think they'll they'll get the the job done tonight in Mountain View. So you got the Elks and Carl Albert, Big Elk TV dot com. You've got uh Mangum or excuse me, Merritt hosting Minko on Big Elk TV dot com and you've also or on uh, Paragon TV dot com, excuse me, and then you have Hollis on the road at Mountain View. Also, Paragon TV, all those kicks at 7 o'clock. Jared, it's kind of weird not having Scott here today. I know. But that doesn't mean it's not a Garrison Financial Friday. (laughs) Uh, Garrison Financial, Scott Garrison down there at 124 North Main Street here in Elk City. He can do your full financial planning, shop the open market to bring the best value on life insurance and investments. You can manage your investments or for you you, uh, folks that like to – to kind of look at things and manage things yourself but not exactly sure how to get that off the ground, he can charge you hourly to build you a plan that then you can manage and and do the things that you like to do. We'll continue to tell you about Garrison Financial all the way through the show today. When we come back, college football weekend, nostalgic weekend around these parts with the Big Red battle up in Lincoln, some other games from around the nation as well. We'll be back on a Garrison Financial Friday. Skinny on Sports right here on 
98.1 FM, The Sports Animal. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside this specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. It's Garrison Financial Friday. I think it is Scott Garrison of Garrison Financial. As I mentioned, he could do the full financial planning. He can help you manage everything, build you a plan for you to manage. He also uh, likes to work with uh, your your accountants and streamline, uh, streamline excuse me the tax ramifications and your tax returns. He could do it all down there. Garrison Financial, one twenty four North Main Street here in Elk City, or shooting him an email Scott at SoonerWealth.com. College football weekend seems a little bit light when you look at ranked matchups across the country. I think there's only one, if memory serves, and that is going to be. Texas A&M hosting Miami. I know there's two. BYU and Oregon is also a, uh, a, a a matchup of ranked teams. So there's a couple of those. But as we saw last week, it felt like last week was a little bit of a down weekend after what happened in, in the matchups that littered the schedule during the opening week on Labor Day. And it turned out to be you know upset Saturday, just one of those chaotic weekends in college football that happens each and every year with Appalachian State knocking off Texas A&M and also Marshall going into, into Notre Dame and getting a win. This was set up to have one game be the centerpiece of the entire weekend, and it just not it just isn't going to be that way, at least on paper, and it certainly doesn't live up pregame, at least the hype, doesn't live up to what the rivalry has been in the past, and, and that's right here in the state of Oklahoma with the Sooners traveling to Nebraska. I mean, if you're any sort of college football, I wouldn't even say historian, just love the game and kind of have an idea of what the history of college football has been and is. When you hear the names Oklahoma and Nebraska, it immediately springs to mind all the many, many memorable moments, positive and negative for both sides going all the way back to at least the game of the century in 1971. It was actually on the TV last night. I saw maybe on the Big Big Ten Network, I think, that reliving uh, a, a quick version of that game of the century in 1971. But, you uh, you know, that one, the Johnny Rogers punt return on that side. Um, you know, in 76, Sooner Magic was born uh, with the halfback pass and then the hook and ladder uh, to Peacock down the sideline. Then in 78, as I mentioned earlier this week, a game that my dad went to his grave lamenting Billy Sims' fumble in 78 that gave 
Nebraska, uh, a, a long, a, a much needed win for Tom Osborne in that rivalry. Uh, and then, of course, Keith Jackson's one-handed catch down the sideline in Lincoln, game of the century two in Lincoln, um, the, the reverse to Keith Jackson in Norman, uh, just so many memorable moments. And, and on the Nebraska side, 2001 in Lincoln on, on the Eric Crouch, uh, maybe the play that, that won him the Heisman in a lot of ways with the throwback pass to, to him that, that worked when OU's earlier in the earlier in that exact same game, almost the exact same play didn't work when Nate Hibble fell to the ground when he tripped on the turf. So it's, it's a game and it's a series that has so many memorable moments. And it's just sad a little bit, Jared, that this current iteration of Nebraska football at this time celebrating, you know, the 50 years last year of the game of the century, this year it's 35 years ago in 1987 when Game of the Century 2 happened there in Lincoln. I know you won, won that one 17-7 behind a, a, a true freshman in Charles Thompson. It's just the, the logos are cool, the names are cool, but the game, pregame at least, the hype of it isn't what this rivalry deserves. Yeah, it's a shame that it's it, it's fallen on hard times for one team. And, and, and when this was scheduled, what, few years ago um it it was envisioned that both teams would be uh pretty good and and uh contenders in their conference and if not contenders for national titles it's happened for one way for one school and, and not the other. it's gone the complete opposite for the other it just happens there's bad luck uh, um on when it comes down to that but at the end of the day, it's still OU on one helmet and the end on the other, and it's it still gets me excited to turn on and, and watch those classic teams battle. You know what that N stands for? What's that? Knowledge. <laughs> That's that, funny. That was an old joke. That's a good one. Back when the back when the rivalry was really rolling and OU was <laughs> uh, mad at Nebraska because of some different things academically up there. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you know, honestly, we got – we got a little snippet of what it was like in the seventies and eighties. We were fortunate enough to get that in 2000 and 2001 when Oklahoma had finally gotten back to what Oklahoma wants to be. And in, in a lot of my, people's minds supposed to be Yeah. when you got that, I mean the, the game in Norman, which I know we were both at in 2000 was, was, was a rebirth of that rivalry. It happened again the next year uh, with, with those two teams playing in Lincoln but the truth of it is, the the glory days of this rivalry are clear back in in the Barry and, and Tom Osborne times, right? Because throughout the '90s, OU upset Nebraska one time, if I remember right, or got close one time. But other than that, it was just beatdowns because Nebraska was the king of college football in the 1990s, and Oklahoma became a doormat, especially toward the end of the uh, toward the end of the decade. You know, 69 to seven in Lincoln. Uh, under John Blake, he also had 73 to 14 or 21 or something like that the year before in Norman. Those games just didn't – that's not what this rivalry was built on. And then even in after the 2000-2001, you know, Oklahoma was just putting beatdowns on Nebraska because the Huskers just were down, down from the top level of college football. So this is this is nothing new over the last 20 years or so, but for it to be this down up there in Lincoln, and as Jim said, the first time since the, the year he was born 
that Oklahoma will play a Nebraska team with a losing record. Yeah, yeah. It <clears throat> when it, we're there in the conference and there was those games where one team was beating down the other. It, it, but again, it goes back to making this a non-conference game, designating this years ago. This is a, we're going to revisit this rivalry. We're going to have fun. It's going to uh, be nostalgic and everything. And it goes, yeah, it's just a shame that one's down and, and one's not. So, but I, I'm not going to let that. Um, you know, I'm still very interested in this game because there are storylines that are going to keep me interested. You know, obviously the coaching change at Nebraska, uh, I think that is makes it. You, know, you knew what what to prepare for when it was Scott Frost leading the team, and now Venables. This is a big test for him in, in a sense because a first big test for him because it's first road game for him as a head coach. He thought he was preparing for one team, and I'm sure they looked ahead and. and kind of start the game prep for this one when Scott Frost was there. Well, now you have to throw that all out and go, well, what's going to happen now? We don't know. Uh, with um, Help me with the name. Uh, Mickey Joseph. Mickey Joseph. Murphy for some reason. Mickey Joseph as the interim. So there are some wrinkles there, and, of course, it's in, it's in Lincoln. And do those players come out 100% motivated behind him now that, okay, Scott Frost is gone. Now we're with this guy. We love this guy. And – so I don't think it's going to be as easy as oh you thinks like oh they're going in we're going up against a one or two team with an interim coach this should be easy I don't think it's going to be like that I really don't I think we could get a good game I think we could too but I could all it's it's just the unknown but you could see it going south but, but there's there's so yeah. un, there, there's so many un, um, what is OU yeah that too we don't know what OU is I mean they play two horrific teams right you know we don't we really don't know what the Sooners are. So, it's this game. It's not going to tell the tale of either one of these two seasons. You know, it's if if Oklahoma goes up there and performs well and wins this game by a couple of touchdowns and outdoes what the spread is, which is around eleven, I think, right now. That doesn't necessarily mean that Oklahoma is is on the track to to definitely you know win the Big Twelve. At the same time, for Nebraska, you know, a win in this – this reminds me a little bit of what happened last week in Austin. Because not only the coaching change, but you know all offseason, this game was the one that they were pointing to with Oklahoma coming to Lincoln. You know, and so there, there's going to be – to me, there was always going to be a ton of emotion on the side of Nebraska to try to – at what we thought maybe rally around Scott Frost and, and this be his signature win – on the way to a to a winning season and then maybe cementing himself up there. Now, <laughs> excuse me, that's thrown completely out of the window. And so is it, hey, we, we it's not like we won't we will find out if they he likes they like Mickey Joseph 100, you know, or, but boy would this sure be a way for him to start off his nine game candidacy to pull that interim tag off of interim coach and become the coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, the guy that, you know, a, a second straight try at a former Nebraska quarterback hmm. taking the reins of the Huskers. You know, that, that doesn't seem like a good idea with what happened and how, and how Frost was not able to get it done. But at the same time, if you're Mickey Joseph, what a heck of a chance here for all the places he's been. I mean, he has been all over the map coaching and now a chance of a lifetime for him to start out his candidacy as the interim coach with a win over Oklahoma. There's a lot there 
intangibly to favor Nebraska. Here's the problem. You still got to play the game. And Nebraska's defense, offensively, I think Nebraska will put up some points. Casey Thompson has been pretty good. That first half against Northwestern, he looked like he might be a Heisman candidate, for heaven's sakes. And then things kind of screech a little bit to the halt. But, listen, they're averaging 36 a game, almost 500 yards every time they go out. But the problem is on the other side. They're averaging 492.3 offensively, giving up 492 defensively. And last week against uh, Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern put up over 600 yards on, on uh, in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. That is the most in the history of Nebraska football on that field That's by an opponent. Incredible. Isn't that an, it's just nuts. To, that, that, That's that, incredible. That is so much to say coming out of your mouth. When you think about all the teams – that have been and have competed against Nebraska in that stadium, even when they're down, like when you know all the there Ohio might have been States seasons. And, there might yeah. have been seasons back in the '90s and '80s where the entirety of this season they didn't give up over 600 yards total defense. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. There, there might have been, and for that to happen in one game oh, to Georgia Southern, yeesh. That has yeesh. to give you nightmares if you're a Cornhusker fan. So still. What's going to happen? What do you think happens tomorrow in this game between Oklahoma and Nebraska? Well, I kind of alluded to it. I think it's going to be tighter than what some people think. Um, I know on the text line, what's the spread now? 11 and a half, 12? 11, I think, right now. 11. <clears throat> it was 14 and a half in our game when you had when it was locked into pick. I think OU wins, but I don't think they cover. I think there's too much inspiration there for Nebraska. You mentioned the offense is still there that can work. Uh, is that OU defense good, or was it against two mediocre to somewhat bad teams? We'll find out a little bit. This is a little bit more potent offense with, with Casey Thompson uh, um, running the show. Uh, and then the OU offense, I, with those numbers you mentioned, it, you'd have to think that they're going to be able to score some points. So I, I think we see a little bit of maybe a shootout, in, but OU holds on to win. How bad a sign is that? That's is a good, it a bad I don't know. Sign? I mean, Kent State was a bad sign with um, the inept ability to run the football. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could be signs of things to come, sure, for OU, and not in a good way. Uh, last uh, 642. That's totally, the number totally of yards. yards that Georgia Southern put up last week. 409 through the air, 233 on the ground. That and bad for OU because then if OU doesn't do something similar, people go, "Man, what what's going on? You couldn't Georgia Southern can move the football, you guys couldn't." Yeah, but I, a, yeah, but, it is. Yeah, I mean, but, it's a different circumstance. Sure. That's fine. I mean, but, but eventually here, the Oklahoma offense, you know, as good as it looked to start right off the bat against uh, UTEP, then it screeched to all. Then it looked great from the last possession of the of the first half last week through the third quarter then meh. you wonder though how much of that is, is is just vanilla play calling how much of that is your offensive line can't block anybody how much of that is where's the rest of the weapons outside of mems you know, who's going to be the running back there's just a lot of questions surrounding Oklahoma not only in this game but moving forward just to how good they can be and maybe this is a coming out party for Jeff Levy. 
to, okay, everybody's got all these question marks about this and that. Watch this. When we really do what we want to do, here's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I, I think that possibility exists. But I'm like you. To that, that extra half point in our game in the pick'em, I think goes a long ways in this game as far as who covers the spread in the uh, Western Oklahoma Realty College pick'em contest this week. I, I went with Nebraska. I just don't. I haven't as much as what you've seen out of uh, out of Nebraska stinks. They still have put up put up points in every game, and until we can see Oklahoma go on the road against a decent opponent and 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 blow them out. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm. A, I got to see it to believe it. Type thing. Right. As far as that goes, uh, so I. I can't wait to see the game. I can't wait to see the the, the helmets and the the jerseys on the field with the all whites and the Nebraska red. I, it's it's always cool to see this game being played. It's just a shame uh, that the Huskers are going through what they're going through, and and that this this team. And quite frankly, maybe Oklahoma by the time the season's over. But at least right now, for sure, Nebraska, the team that they've put on the field on uh, tomorrow tomorrow morning in Lincoln, isn't really worthy of this rivalry. Right. Yeah. What else are you looking for uh, forward to tomorrow in college football? Um, I wrote down some games that that kind of piqued my interest. Um, at the same time, Georgia at South Carolina. South Carolina looked very uh mediocre at Arkansas now it's a real big test for Spencer Rattler and and uh South Carolina on their home field against Georgia we'll see what happens there I've got a feeling it won't be uh much of a problem for Georgia with how they played BYU at Oregon can Oregon bounce back uh, against uh, a better team in BYU at BYU do they have a letdown after winning that emotional game against Baylor in overtime, now they got to go to Eugene. That's never easy. I never thought I'd write this down, but how about Kansas at Houston? Yeah, I know. Houston, one and one, and, and struggling in the one that they've won. Say that three times fast. Now you got Kansas coming in at two and zero, oh, looking okay doing it. Now, do you remember? Back this summer when we talked about Kansas's win total in Vegas. Yeah. Two went, and a half. You went over, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, you're rooting for I've got ten games to win you're one. You're rooting for KU in this one. I didn't I see the West Virginia game coming, I'll, I'll be honest. Not after how they played Pitt. Yeah. Not in Morgantown. No. Not at all. A... That, that one could be another overtime game. It really could with the way those two teams have played. If Lance Leopold gets Kansas to 3-0 and oh, – with wins over West Virginia and Houston. They'll build him a statue. Stop the coach of the year balloting right now. Yeah. It's over. It's, I don't care if they go three and nine. It's clear why they extended him. It's it's over. He they, wins. They saw it. They, it's clear why they want to keep him there. Michigan State at Washington. Uh, that's a 630 game. Um, UTSA at, at Texas. We've talked about that. Who's going to take the snaps? We'll see. Miami at A&M. Does Miami um, – get A&M in a bad spot, and, um, of course, the the night game, Fresno at USC, just a spite watch, just to look for flaws. So those are the games this weekend I'm looking at. I also am interested to see what happens in Auburn. 2-0 Auburn Tigers hosting Penn State. Yeah. You know, Penn State, everybody got to see them on that first Thursday night with a huge win on the road at Purdue and West Lafayette, a game that 
almost epitomized Sean Clifford's career. He was out, he was out, he was out. You know, he'd call him out, count him out, and then all of a sudden they come back and win after Purdue just refused to burn the clock. Gave him one more chance, and, and Penn State took advantage of it. Now let's see what they can do on the road at Auburn. Are they a serious threat to make the Big Ten East a three-way race with themselves, with Michigan, and with Ohio State? Same can be said for Michigan State going on the road at Washington. Can they throw their hat in that ring as well as a serious contender in that big in the Big Ten East race? Uh, those those are two for sure. You mentioned the one at Penn State as well. Um, on the head, Billy A and M going down again. I have a feeling that will not happen. Everybody's making fun of A and M. Everybody saw what happened last week. Everybody is going to be off the A and M bandwagon onto the Miami one. I just have a feeling this is a game that Texas A and M wins at home. I don't like to say that, but I think it's going to happen. You mentioned UTSA in Texas. How in the world does Texas get up for UTSA? after the game last week against Alabama. How do they do it? With who knows who playing quarterback? Who knows? going uh, We're not going to know his name. Unless Card can go back out there on one leg again. So there's a lot of a lot of interesting things, I think. For, for a weekend that doesn't look that great, there's a lot of interesting games out there. And then who knows? Feels like there's always that one, huh? They beat who? Right. It's always that one, too. Uh, so a lot of good stuff, uh, starting with the Sooners and Cornhuskers at 11 o'clock. Want to give a score? You want to fire a score out there? 37-31 OU. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. How about you? You never really picked it. What do you got? Like 31-20. to 20. 31-14, that's There's a good 31, score, Billy. 14, like 31-20. to 20. Does Nebraska score the first two touchdowns, Billy? Yeah, I've, I, I I, just think it's it's going to be an inspired Nebraska to come out. They're, they're tail between the legs. They're embarrassed. Their coach has been fired. They're they're in the categories of Kansas and Vanderbilt like we met. They don't want to be there. I no. just think they're going to like, hey, we're on the national stage. It's big noon Saturday. I think they come out inspired. I do. But I think they'll use the better team. I just don't think they cover. We did mention Oklahoma State. Listen, they're playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. The only question there is, will they score 80? Yeah, will Sanders play the second half? Uh, will Sanders play the second quarter? Yeah. The one the one thing about that, this should be. we might actually get to see Gunnar Gundy throw a pass. Hey, that'd be cool. Because he's in there early enough to where it's not already fifty-five to nothing, and you feel to, bad about yeah. you know running it up. I mean, success for OSU is everybody's done by the end of the first quarter because you're just pounding on Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yeah, this should be no problem. Pine Bluff has averaged sixty-two a game in the first two against two Lane College and North American College. Oh, okay. you know where the, you know what those are? Well, I'm going to guess somewhere in North America. <laughs> Houston is that one. Oh, Lane, okay. I, Lane College is D two. Seems like they might be pretty good at golf. If I remember right, from back in my day. Big difference between golf and football. Big difference. Big difference between Lane College and uh, Boone Pickett Stadium as well. Yeah, that too. Yeah, the Cowboys can name their score. But maybe some Gunner Gundy. Actual running offense. I'd like offense. to see that. I'd like to see that. <laughs>
be back. Some NFL stuff and what did you think about last night? Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker, dealer, member, FINRA, and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside this specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The skinny on sports. You can't say on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Welcome back. Skinny on sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal wrapping up a Garrison Financial Friday here with the final segment. Talking NFL football, what did you think last night about the stream-only contest <laughs> on Amazon Prime oh, sorry. <clears throat> between the Chiefs and the Chargers? Could you find it? And we had one uh, text came in, said, I watched the statistic channel on Amazon. Very interesting to see all of that as the game was being played. You know, and we've mentioned the Manning cast before, how much I re- thoroughly enjoy that, you know, and – when it gets into the playoff games in college football, uh, they've got that channel where the coaches from other teams are in there, kind of kind of watching it together, similar to what the Manning cast is, but yeah. it's a bunch of high, it's a bunch of other college coaches dissecting what they're seeing. You know, there's that famous clip uh, in the in the Alabama Georgia game back in 2007 or 2018, I guess the 17 season, when after Tua got sacked, they lined up in the same way, and Gundy said, "This game's over" before the ball's ever even snapped, and sure enough. Uh, to a hit Devontae Smith for the touchdown uh, to, to end the game in overtime. Uh, so there, uh, there's there's different ways of looking and, and viewing these games than just the the old standby play-by-play color guy. And, and I think that's that, – that, that diversity in the broadcast, I think, brings something for everybody. So, so another cool idea, not only, not only for it to be Amazon, because, you know, we talked a lot about can, who can find it, who can't find it. Listen – there's 150 million subscribers to Amazon Prime in the United States. Oh. 150 million. Probably a few more after last night. So, and in, in, even even the people that you know that aren't tech savvy, they know how to get to Amazon, right? I mean, there's very few people that don't know how to go to Amazon, and so I thought that was that, that's ingenious for them to do it that way yeah um and it sounds like it, you know you talked about it i there wasn't a ton of of issues it didn't seem like technically so i think for amazon the crew was good it seemed like al and kirk already kind of have a chemistry kirk not much he he felt more nfl last night than he ever has before in my mind because he wasn't reverting back to college tidbits yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. he, he didn't he didn't use that as a crutch last night he he was just sounded like 
an NFL color guy. Right. And, and alongside the great Al Michaels, it, it was it's good. It's good, and it's it's going to happen, and it's going to work. Yeah, I like it. I I, I caught it late. Um, I was joking with you this morning. I, I, I got home, and I turned on the TV, and I immediately go to my TV provider to try to find it, and it, it just out of habit. And oh, wait, oh, no, it's on Prime. So I switch it there, and I was kind of impressed to see the different options of the different viewing options. I just went with the traditional one because I caught the game late, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to see it. Uh, but I think the analytical one would have been really interesting for me for what we do. You know, we're always talking numbers and looking at numbers and stats. So I think I'll give that a try probably next week or week after when I have the time to watch it from start to finish. I thought it was good, and Kirk was good. I was uh, a couple times there late in that fourth quarter. I think there was one play I thought, uh-oh, he just went back to a college football rule, not an NFL rule, a rule I was foggy on where uh, San Diego's driving where they eventually scored their last touchdown. Uh, player was thrown out of bounds, and they kept the clock running, and he questioned it. And I thought, now, this might be an NFL rule I'm foggy on, did they keep the clock going because he was attempting to stay in bounds even though he was thrown out of bounds? And the rule expert came and said, no, that clock should have stopped right there, Kirk. Because I thought Kirk was, uh-oh, he just got caught in a mm-hmm. college rule when it was actually an NFL rule. But he was right. And I was with you at the little I saw. It could be easy to go, yeah, well, back when I saw Herbert play at Oregon, he would have the tendencies to do this. And he's fixed that and he's done that. He never – he was – he would refer to their <laughs> NFL. Oh, he's a great guy. He's a three-year guy, da 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 and talk about what he's done in the NFL. Yeah, I thought it worked. I thought it all worked. I was, I was for, again, for the final five minutes of game time I saw, I was impressed. Yeah, and got a text. I just used the 30-day free trial to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's how they get you, man. Yeah. You forget after be day sure, 31. Yeah. yeah, you better be sure and cancel that puppy on, ga- on day 29 or you're going to get a $100 charge. Uh, no, that's – and I bet a lot of people did that just to check it out, to make sure – even if – even if you went into it not wanting, not liking what was happening, not wanting it to happen that way, but after you try it out a couple of weeks and you realize, you know what, this really is going to work. Why not? Because then, of course, I mean, you get free shipping on everything from Prime once you start ordering. <laughs> That's a dangerous, dangerous <laughs> uh, rabbit hole to go down. Success, though, for the first night. What are you looking forward to NFL-wise coming up this weekend? Uh, I think looking at what's going to happen in Dallas, yeah, uh, just because of local interest of of rooting on the Cowboys and all that. Um, Cincinnati coming in zero and one, Dallas zero and one, two teams in need of a win in different kind of ways. Cincinnati to prove they're still contenders, Dallas just to keep their head above water. That one kind of keeps my interest. Um, other than that. Just looking. I mean, maybe the Bears at Packers. Packers um, getting beat pretty bad by Minnesota. And, and the Bears uh, pulling off the upset last week. And this is in Lambeau, early divisional rival game. We'll see what happens there. I like Baltimore and Miami. That, one of the first games at, in that noon window. Uh, Miami goes to Baltimore. Pats and, and Steelers. Steelers uh, an underdog at home. You know, you mentioned that number that Jim talked about yesterday. The the zero and one teams against the one and O's against the spread are fifty seven forty and three or something or nine or something like that. But almost a sixty percent winning clip against the spread in week two. 
for the 0-1 team against the 1-0 team, and there's a bunch of those matchups, uh, and a few of the few of the 0-1s are at home. So you know you got that one. I, I think Tampa and New Orleans, an early sign of maybe who controls the NFC South in that one. Yeah, you know New Orleans has been the team since Brady's been at, at the Bucks. New Orleans, ha- New Orleans has been the team defensively that's had his number over and over and over again. So does that continue, or does, does he kind of figure out what's going on there? Obviously, Dallas-Cincinnati is really intriguing for lots of reasons. And then two, two Monday Nighters. Yeah. We're back to two Monday Nighters. Uh, Tennessee at Buffalo is going to be on ESPN, and then Minnesota and Philly on ABC. Fantasy question, Derek Carr or Justin Fields? Derek Carr uh, Derek Carr is against the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. Fields against home. Green Bay. And Fields on the road at I would Green go with Bay. Derek Carr. I would go with Derek Carr. Even though the one thing about Fields that scares you going against him is his, his ability to run. And that's invaluable at the quarterback spot in fantasy football. Those running yards, running touchdowns. But I think Derek Carr scores more more points than Justin Fields, what, seven out of ten times in the matchups they've got? Yeah. So I would go with Derek Carr. And I don't want to hear it when Justin Fields has four touchdowns and, and all that. It's your choice. We're just giving you some some help maybe, some idea, right? Just our opinion. Yeah, plus it might be that might be my choice, and I can't let Drew know. Golly, speaking of fantasy football, thanks a lot, Juju. Hey, Juju, where were you last night, uh, bro? Uh, uh. Maybe that's the problem with drafting a chief. There's a whole bunch of them now, as long as it's not Kelsey. You don't have Kelsey. It may just be kind of up in the air week to week who's going to get the targets. Speaking of Kelsey, he was up in the air last night. See that tackle? Dude, Derwin James, (laughs) I mean, slammed him down. How strong is that guy? Kelsey is a giant. Yeah, Yeah. How tough is Herbert? He's very tough. Very tough. I I saw reports he did get x-rays on his – ribs i didn't see the full diagnosis but it was clear his Sustain. ribs were hurting it says right him. here sustains rib injury and loss did it say cracked broken <clears throat> just says injury undergoes x-rays yeah i didn't yeah. say yeah that's what i'm saying oh I that was last night at midnight yeah Never mind. i didn't know what the diagnosis was but tough kid to make that throw there at the end on fourth down that was a heck of a throw and to stay in the pocket after getting pummeled over and over again i've been high on the kid since he was drafted and I think it's clear why. Yeah, I wasn't. I clearly have missed on this one, it looks like. He's, he's pretty fantastic. He was pretty good. Well, that'll wrap it up on a Garrison Financial Friday. It's Scott. Shoot him an email, scott at soonerwealth.com or visit 124 North Main Street. Don't forget tonight, Big Elks Carl Albert, 6.33 game, 7 o'clock kick. That's Big Elk TV and Cool 94. You got Merritt and Minko right here at 7 o'clock and on Paragon TV, Hollis and Mountain View as well. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening.